I invite you now to turn in your Bibles to two different places. The first is uh, at the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And then uh, we'll then turn over to Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now let's jump over to Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And as he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So, leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you surrounded by our enemies. We come to you also recognizing that we have an enemy within. We have sin. And so, Lord, we come in prayer asking that you would do a great work, that you would protect us from temptation. You would protect us from the evil one. And so, Lord, I ask even right now that you would bind Satan from plucking up your word, from being planted into fertile soil. Thank you, Lord, that we have hope in you. So help us now. Wake us from our sleep. Help us to be watchful and prayerful that we may not enter into temptation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've been preaching here at uh, Trinity for a little over a year now, and I've successfully gone this far without referencing uh, one of my favorite stories, and that would be uh, the, the, the Lord of the Rings. 
But today, that must end. Today, God's word is calling us to consider temptation and evil. And even though J.R.R. Tolkien's world of Middle-earth is fantasy, his depictions of temptation are profoundly accurate for our world and are accurate in line with the Bible. As many of you know, the whole story of the Lord of the Rings is, is about a ring. A simple gold ring. There's you know, nothing fancy about it. But it's tremendously powerful. The Dark Lord Sauron had put his power into that ring. And so those who have the ring have his power. The story is, it's all about the discovery of the ring and the quest by a few good hobbits, a couple of men, a wizard, a dwarf, an elf. To, it's, it's their quest to secretly destroy the ring in Mount Doom in the land of Mordor, which is a land ruled by the dark lord Sauron himself. Along their journey, they are faced with all kinds of evil that, that seeks to just, to just kill them and, and to take the ring. They're even hunted by these ring wraiths, these, these undead kings that are they're more spiritual than physical. It's just really hard to tell what on earth they are. So this fellowship of hobbits and their friends, they're attacked by, by natural enemies and by supernatural enemies. And they're often tempted by these enemies to use the one ring of power. But as you read the story, or as you watch the movie, you begin to see that these temptations from outside of those within the fellowship, the temptations from outside are not as dangerous as the temptations that come from within the hearts of those within the fellowship. Kathleen Gilligan wrote an article in Inquiry's journal on the theme of temptation in The Lord of the Rings. And in it she says this, All of the characters in the Fellowship of the Ring who interact with the ring are tempted by it. The characters who don't have it in their possession want it. If they don't have the ring, they try to get it or keep it from those who want it. If they have it, they want to use it. If they use it, they want to use it to get more power. None of the most upright characters are immune to the allure of the ring. As much as they hate it, as much as they would even give their own lives and die to destroy the ring, there is within themselves another desire. A desire to have the ring of power for themselves and to kill to make that happen. Those who taste of its power are changed. They become divided within themselves. This change happens to even, uh, even to Frodo. Frodo, he's, the, he's that small and simple and humble hobbit who is chosen to carry the ring himself. And as you read the story, it's his humility that, that, that gives you hope that he, that he might not yield to temptation and use the ring for himself. And yet even Frodo is tempted within himself to use the ring. Frodo begins to change throughout the story. He becomes more and more divided. 
more and more isolated from his friends, even his best friend Sam. He grows more and more suspicious that that the others are trying to take the ring from him. And the ring becomes more and more precious to him. And then there's Gandalf. Gandalf, the wise and good wizard. He also was tempted to take the ring. Uh, Out of fear, Frodo uh, had had offered the ring uh, to Gandalf. But Gandalf just barks back at him saying, Do not tempt me, for I do not wish to become like the dark Lord himself. Do not tempt me. The wish to wield it would be too great for my strength. The wish to wield it would be too great for my strength. Gandalf's wisdom saved Middle-earth at that point. His understanding of the power of the ring and his understanding of his own weakness helped him to resist temptation. There's just so much more that we could say about temptation in the Lord of the Rings series and, and how it rings true of how temptation is outside of us and within us. May we, through God's word, may we grow in wisdom to understand, like Gandalf, to, to understand the power of indwelling sin and, and of temptation in our own hearts and of our weaknesses to resist temptation. We are divided people, desiring, desiring to be free from sin and Satan, and yet also desiring to enjoy the power and the pleasures of sin. So how might we overcome the temptation and evil that constantly attacks us in this life? Well, brothers and sisters, we are not alone. We are not left to fight on our own strength. We can call unto God for help. And that's what the sixth and final petition of Lord's Prayer is all about. That's what it's for. Jesus teaches us that we have another great need. It's a need that you won't find in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's the need for deliverance from evil and temptation. The Lord's Prayer has been very sweet to pray up to this point. And this last petition, though it's filled with profound hope, this last petition gives us a little bit of an aftertaste as we finish the prayer. A little bit of a bitterness. Because it reminds us of what keeps us from hollowing God's name above all. It reminds us of what keeps us from building His kingdom and from doing His will. It reminds us what keeps us from, from, from gratitude for our Father's daily provision. And it reminds us of what keeps us from forgiving others around us. It reminds us of what keeps us from prayer. As we wait for the fullness of God's kingdom to come, we're still sinners. We are forgiven. We are justified. And yet, as Luther said, we are simul justus et peccator. We are Christians who are simultaneously righteous and sinners. Now, the previous petition that we looked at, forgive us our debts, that speaks to our justification. 
to the judge's forgiveness of our sins on the basis of Christ taking the punishment of our debt. And this petition speaks to our sanctification. It flows out of our justification, out of being forgiven. That though we are forgiven, though we are free from the slavery of the evil one, though we have left Egypt, we nevertheless still sin and daily need God's help to flee temptation. We aren't in the promised land yet. In Matthew 26, we get further instruction from Jesus on how we are to fight temptation. When Jesus found Peter, James, and John, his closest friends, when he found them sleeping at, at, at one of the most evil hours in all of history, when their Lord was weeping, Jesus said to them, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. They were divided within themselves. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Instead of being sleepy in this evil age, God, Jesus calls us to be watchful and prayerful. So that's where we're going today. We will consider the sixth petition through the lens of watchfulness and prayerfulness. So what, what are we to know and believe that we may be more watchful? What does temptation, where, where, where does it come from? And where doesn't it come from? And when we pray to God, the sixth petition, what exactly are we praying for? What, 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 what power does God have for us? So these are some of the questions that I hope to answer. So let's begin by hearing Jesus' call to be watchful. To understand temptation so that we can know where it comes from and where it does not come from. First, let's consider where temptation doesn't come from. Matthew 6.13 says, Lead us not into temptation. So does that imply that God can and sometimes does lead us into temptation? And then does that mean that God actually tempts us? Well, the book of James sheds a lot of light into this. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 1. We'll look right now to verses 12 and 13, and then in a little bit we'll be looking at verses 14 and 15. So, so turn with me to James chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. James says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. James makes it crystal clear. God does not tempt anyone. It's against his character. It's against his holiness. But we see in verse 12 what God does do. He, does, he, he, he tests. He does not tempt. He gives trials. God tests us. He gives us trials to strengthen, confirm, and to purify our faith. He 
doesn't do it to destroy our faith. And sometimes God tests us by leading us into circumstances where we will be tempted. And it's through our resisting and overcoming that dreadful temptation by the power of God that we will have stood God's test and we will have strengthened our faith. Matthew 4 is the famous story of Jesus' temptation. And it explicitly says there, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So the Spirit of God led the Son of God into a circumstance of temptation. And God does at times lead us into these tempting circumstances according to His wisdom. Yet God does not tempt us. Thomas Watson put it this way. He says, God, he says, he tries their grace, but he does not excite their corruption. He tries our grace. He tries the grace that is within us, but he does not excite our corruption. So as we are watchful for temptation, we're not to look at God as a source of temptation, but rather we are to humbly pray that he would not lead us into those circumstances of temptation. So where does temptation come from? Well, there are three sources of temptation, an unholy trinity in a sense. There's the world, the flesh, and the devil. Two of these sources are outside of ourselves. There's one that's natural, just the, the, the world. There's one that's spiritual, that's Satan. And then there is one source that is from within ourselves, and that's our flesh. That's, that's our sinful nature that we were born with. We see this in, uh, in the next verses in James chapter 1, verses 14 through, and 15. It says, But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it grow, has, has fully grown, brings forth death. When I was a kid, I, I just thought that Satan was the only one that tempted you. But then, as I read the Bible and saw this, I began to realize that, yeah, we, we tempt ourselves. Someone once said that we are, we are a Satan unto ourselves. We have evil desires that spring up from within us. So when we pray that God would lead us not into temptation, we must know that wherever God does lead us, our chief tempter goes with us. Ourselves, our, our, the evil desires in our own hearts are always with us. If we choose to become like monks and just flee all of society and go live out in a desert somewhere or go, go, go live on a secluded mountain somewhere, we will have not fled all of temptation because we can't flee ourselves. So when Jesus calls us to be watchful for temptation, we are not only to be alert for temptations that can come from people and the things of this world, 
from Satan, but also to look inside ourselves and be daily aware of our desires and our weaknesses. So, why do we need to be alert? I mean, is this, is this all just a little too serious? I mean, after all, you know, we, we, we've been forgiven of our sin, we're saved, we've been saved from hell. Okay, so why, why do we need to be so serious about sin? Why do we need to be so daily watchful? Well, as Christians, we need to be watchful for temptation because the stakes are still high. The sin of Christians devastates families. The sin of Christians divides churches. The sin of Christians dissolves marriages. The sin of Christians debilitates ministries. The sin of Christians damages the reputation of Christ in our community. The sin of Christians destroys the faith of little children. Our enemies are potent. The damages that can be caused by our own sin are, are, are high, are significant. The fallout can reach far and wide. Remember the fallout from David's sin with Bathsheba. The effects of it just lasted for years and years and impacted so many people. Yes, the gospel has created us to, to be new creations. Yes, we are now sons and daughters of God. Yes, we have been freed from slavery to sin and Satan. And yet, we are not to have such rose-colored glasses when we look upon our indwelling sin. When we look at the, the world around us and the temptations and the evil that are around us and the potential that we still have as Christians to yield to sin and cause great damage to those that we love, to our church, and ultimately to the reputation of Christ. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Let's be ever watchful, brothers and sisters, daily and hourly alert to the temptations arising in our own hearts. The stakes are still high. Now when Jesus awoke Peter, James, and John from their sleep in the Garden of Gethsemane, he urged them to not only be watchful, but also to pray that they may not enter into temptation. And that's the same instruction he gives us in the Lord's Prayer. God does not merely call us to be watchful and then to have to face our enemies all by our own selves. No, brothers and sisters, we are not alone in our fight against temptation and evil. God is for us. So who can be against us? We could spend uh, much of this sermon on strategies for killing sin in our lives, and that would be good. But the one thing that we must never forget is prayer. We must never forget that it is God who has the power to lead us away from temptation and to deliver us from any evil. God is our hope. God is our strength. 
So when we pray the sixth petition, what, what specifically are we praying for that God would do for us? Well, there's a handful of, a handful of things, but, but here are four specific things that we are praying for. First, when you pray the sixth petition, pray that God would keep you from temptation. That he would keep you from circumstances of temptation. God is able to guard us from entering into circumstances where we will be tempted. What circumstances tend to be the most tempting for you? There are places in life that have temptation for us that it would be very wise for us to just avoid altogether. Those places may be certain internet sites, certain apps on our phone, certain convenience stores, certain bars or restaurants, or perhaps certain retail stores that tempt you to discontentment, covetousness, idolatry, or, or perhaps certain, certain events, or certain, certain entertainment venues, or, 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 or parties where you know that you will be tempted to just throw off your self-control. There are tempting places, and there are tempting people. God is able to guard us from people who would tempt us perhaps to gossip. Perhaps there's people in your life that tempt you to, to laugh at coarse jokes or, or to share them. God's able to guard us from people who tempt us to, to, eat, to eat excessively. People who would tempt you to, to break your marriage vows. Or if you're not married, to tempt you to commit sexual immorality outside of marriage. God is able to guard us from people who tempt us to make our lives all about sports, all about job success, all about hobbies, all about homemaking, all about popularity. There are times in our Christian life when it is best for us to flee and avoid the tempting circumstance altogether, like Joseph when he fled from Potiphar's wife. There are temptations that we are simply too weak to, to, to stand up against, and we must avoid those circumstances, those places and those people that will tempt us. Now, this isn't legalism. This isn't violating your Christian liberties. This is having wisdom and self-control. This is denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus. So what people or places... Do you need to begin avoiding today? Today. God can help you. The Holy Spirit can give you self-control and wisdom and courage to make those changes. You're not alone. You, you have the Holy Spirit and you have the church. You have one another. Remember, lead us not into temptation. This is us. This is the prayer that we pray together. We're in this together. We fight temptation and sin together. So if you are all alone and you can't think of a single person that you could confess sin to, brothers and sisters, that's not a good place to be in. And I can guarantee you that if you did confess your sin to one of these brothers and sisters around you right now, I mean, 
I know, I know these brothers and sisters. I know that they wouldn't be shocked at your sin. I know that they would be received with love, with an understanding, that you would be met with gospel forgiveness that's there in Christ. That you would be met with someone who would, who would say, let me pray for you. Someone who would say, you know what? I've been there too. You know what? I struggle with that too. So we have the church. We are not alone. We have the Holy Spirit and we have the church. Now, with all this, with all this, these ideas of leaving circumstances and people who tempt us, this does not mean that we need to be like those monks who just flee all, all of worldly society. No, we must use wisdom to know when we are strong enough by God's grace to resist temptation so that we can go and pursue the lost sheep in very dark places of this world. I know a pastor who was saved at Mardi Gras. At Mardi Gras of all places. Because some Christians went there to evangelize. Now obviously Mardi Gras is not the best place for every single Christian to go to. That's a very tempting place for, for many people. But not for all Christians. And so we need to know, we need to have the wisdom to understand what are we tempted by and what are we not tempted by. So that we can have the the love and the boldness to to go where our neighbors are, to to love them, to intervene, to to step into those those potentially tempting circumstances so that we can seek out the lost. Our pursuit of holiness, our pursuit of avoiding temptation, and our pursuit of God's mission to seek and save the lost, those are not at conflict. Those are the one and the same mission. God wants us to love our neighbor, to know our neighbor, to step out and to go to where our neighbor is, even to the dark places of this world. And so may we appropriately do that with an understanding of ourselves. Now second, when, when we pray the sixth petition, let's pray that God would strengthen us to withstand temptation when we meet it face to face. If God does lead us into a situation where we're face-to-face with temptation, God is able to strengthen us in that moment by His Holy Spirit to resist the devil. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He provides a a, a way of escape. In every temptation, there is a way of escape, and He provides us with His Holy Spirit in that moment. He's dwelling inside of us so that we can say no to sin and yes to Christ. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So even when faced with temptation from within ourselves, when we want to sin, God is able to help us overcome those sinful desires in the moment. God is with us in the moment of temptation. As lonely as you may feel in those moments, as as, as surrounded by evil as you may feel, you are not alone. The power of God is with you. Third, when we pray 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray that God would restore us and sanctify us after we have given in to temptation. That's just the reality, brothers and sisters. We all sin. We all yield to temptation. But God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't give up on helping us, even if we've disobeyed Him. When we come to Him in repentance, He's slow to anger. He forgives us. He restores us. He cleanses us. He disciplines us constructively, not shamefully. He disciplines us in a way that we know that He loves us and He's with us no matter how many times we will fail Him. Though we deny Him like Peter. How did Jesus speak to Peter after He denied Him? Jesus spoke tenderly to Peter and He speaks tenderly to us even after we fail and He continues to help us grow. So pray that God would lift you up after you have fallen. And fourth, when we pray the sixth petition, pray that God would persevere you and fully deliver you from all evil. Not only do we pray for God to deliver us from evil on a day-to-day basis, but we also pray for that day to come soon, when Satan will be cast into hell, along with all the temptations of this world, And the indwelling sin in our hearts is finally fully rooted out from us as we put on our glorified and resurrected bodies. Never to sin ever again. May God fill our hearts with hope for that day when all evil will be gone, when every virus is destroyed, every gun is put to flame, every pornographic image burned. Every demon cast into hell. Every disease and mental illness healed. Every fear stilled. When we pray for God to deliver us from evil, we're praying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So we've seen how we are to be watchful and prayerful. But why aren't we more watchful? Why do we rarely pray that God would keep us from sin? Why are we so sleepy? What we need, brothers and sisters, is for Christ to wake us up from our sleepiness. We just can't do this on our own. We can't watch on our own strength, and we we can't pray enough for how much help we actually need. We need the gospel every day to wake us up. What we need is promises from God that we know are ours because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Promises that will spur on our faith to be more watchful and prayerful and to not despair. There are many promises in the Bible that we can look at. But there's just one, there's one in particular that that's uniquely stands out that I want us to end with. When we put our faith in Christ, He then becomes for us a high priest who is watchful for us and prayerful. He's praying for us even when we 
fail to pray for ourselves. In John 17, verse 15, Jesus prays for us. He says to his Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. That you keep them from the evil one. Jesus hasn't removed you from all temptation yet. He hasn't removed you from the world, but rather he is praying that you would be guarded from Satan. And in the same way, in Luke 22, Jesus says to Simon Peter, right before Peter's going to deny him three times, Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. God allowed Peter to be tempted to deny Jesus. And Peter crumbled into that. He yielded to that temptation, not once, not twice, but three times. But God didn't give up on Peter. Because Jesus prayed to the Father. And Satan did not have his way with Peter, as he had had with Judas. Peter's faith did not fail. Because Jesus prayed for his faith. And brothers and sisters, though we are sleepy in prayer, we're not doomed to fail. Because we have a high priest who is ever interceding and praying for us that our faith may not fail. And so knowing that should fill us with gratitude and peace and should encourage us to imitate our high priest and to pray that God would deliver us from evil just as he is praying that same prayer for us. Our protection is not all on our shoulders. It's not all dependent on you and how much you pray. How comforting it is to know that Jesus is praying for us by name. What an amazing promise we have because of the gospel. May we remember this promise and others as well as we watch and as we pray that we may not enter into temptation. And may God lead us out of this wilderness of evil. And may we not look back and long for Egypt as many of the Israelites did. But may we set our course completely and straightforwardly toward the land of promise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. You have given us a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, who is able to pray for us and intercede for us, who is able to pray that our faith may not fail. We praise you that we are not alone in our fight against sin and temptation. Lord God, we are, we are grieved by the sin that's within us. We are sobered at the potential that we have to sin, to hurt others. We're sobered by that. So Lord, I ask that we would be watchful. That we wouldn't be petrified and, and, and afraid when we watch, but rather that we would watch with, with, a, with an understanding of how, how, how grave sin is and how powerful it is. And, and, and that, yet we would be watchful with hope 
knowing that we are not alone. The Holy Spirit is there with us. Oh Lord God, I pray that you would give the brothers and sisters here boldness to avoid tempting circumstances, that, that they would make some changes in their lives to where they would leave those circumstances and people. Lord, give them courage, give them boldness, give them peace. Lord, I ask that there would not be one Christian here who feels alone, that they would not be able to confess their sin to anyone. Help us, Lord, to, to confess our sins to one another, to share the gospel with one another, to pray for one another. Lord God, we thank you that you can lead us away from temptation, that you can deliver us from all evil. And so we pray this with great hope. In Jesus' name, amen.